A baton? Anybody else? Construction? Pogo stick? Has anyone ever seen this used in positive communication? Not negative. Positive computer. The talking stick. That means whoever's holding the stick gets to do all the talking. If you don't hold the stick, it doesn't matter how much you have to say or how good it is. You don't get to talk. Some of us need these in our marriages. My husband and I have had to use the equivalent of a talking stick before. Probably not because he was the one, you know, interrupting. <laughs> but he's had to grab the stick just so he can get a word in. Anyway, we're going to start off with a story. We're going to be a little relaxed. I have Job is going to come down here for me. Job's going to stand right there. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Job. Job was a happy guy. (laughs) Once there was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. (laughs) He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Like I said, Job is a happy guy. But he was protected by God. So, believe it or not, the scripture tells us that God was sitting in his heavenly realm and Satan came to talk to him. I read it two or three times to make sure I was right. And God says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? My happy servant Job. Yeah, see? Satan pretty much says, "Uh, No. Why would I consider him? You've given him everything he could want. He's protected. I can't hurt him. I can't hurt his family. He's got quite the life. I don't even bug him. So God says, well, I think you should think about Job. Satan says, well, he's only committed to you because, you know, he's your favorite. He gets everything he wants. Anybody would serve you like that. And God says, well, go ahead. Test him. You can touch anything you want except his body. So, I need a few volunteers. I'm thinking, Candace, if you'll line up over there. And Dinah, line up over there. And Sister Wendy, line up over there. And we've got to have a guy in here. I see no man. Oh, there you go. Matthew, come on. I need a man in this picture. Good man volunteer over there, other than Job, of course. So, Job is standing here, holding his, his everything's good between him and God. He's in charge of the dialogue, him and God. Life is good. Now, as I read, I'll tap you on the shoulder. When I tap you over the shoulder, I want you to go grab that stick and just, fizz, just tell Job all about it. Don't use your words. Just something terrible has happened. Okay, you ready? Yep. Go ahead. Then one day, Job's 
Sons and daughters were feasting at the older brother's house. A messenger arrived at Job with his news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys, feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Now you go get this talking stick. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. And I am the only one escaped to tell you. Next. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. <laughs> While he was still speaking, yet another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their older brother home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up, grabbed the talking stick. Thank you, volunteers. He stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my brother's room, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Job's going to freeze right there. We're going to go back to heaven. Satan comes back to discuss, I guess, what's happening on earth with the Lord. Again, God said, have you considered my servant Job? He says, well, yes. But obviously, he's still going to serve you. You won't let me touch him. Anybody can lose stuff. It's pretty much what Satan says. But if you touch their, his body, if you let me touch him, then he's not going to serve you. He's going to curse you. So God says, go ahead but you can't kill him. So Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with terrible boils. All right, Job, you've got boils. You're unfrozen. From head to foot, Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. And his wife came up and snatched that stick. Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die! But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. You, should we accept only good things from the house of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. Now I need three more, but you have to be men. Oh, man. Oh, we've got some men. Yes, Brother Keith, Kendall, and Brother Earl. You have to help me. Thank you, Brother Earl. So here's what's going to happen. These three friends hear of the tragedy that he suffered, and they cut together. They travel from their homes to comfort and console Job. Their names were Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air. Over the coast. So you got to wail and throw dust in the air. Wail, wail. We want to hear you wail. We want to hear it. Wail. All right, now come over here and sit on the ground in a half circle facing Job. Job, you've got to sit on the ground. Now, after all of that, they sat on the ground and they faced Job for seven days and nights. So, Job, you've got to sit down too. And no one said one word to Job. 
for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. So they see him and they begin to wail and throw dust on their heads and have this big dramatic gesture and then they sit for seven days. If I sat here for seven minutes and didn't say anything, (laughs) just seven minutes, it would get real awkward, wouldn't it? Y'all would be like, uh, maybe we should go to the reception room and have snacks until this is over. So seven days. Some of us can't even stand to have company for seven days. That does talk, but these, no talking. So they took this talking stick and they cast it off and no one used it for seven days. And then Job couldn't take it anymore. So he's going to grab the stick and he said, Let the day of my birth be erased and the night I was conceived. Let that day be turned to darkness. Let it be lost even to God on high and let no light shine on it. Let the darkness and utter gloom claim that day for its own. Let a black cloud overshadow it and let the darkness terrify it. Then one of these friends grabbed the stick. So one of you can choose to grab the stick. And he decides to talk to Job. We're not going to read all the dialogue. That would be the whole book of Job. We're going to read a little bit. Then Eliphaz the Timonite replied to Job, Will you be patient and let me say a word? He's what, Job waited for seven days for them to say something. Now he's going to call him impatient? For who could keep keep from speaking out? In the past, you have encouraged many people. You have strengthened those who were weak. Your words have supported those who were falling. You encouraged those with shaky knees. But now when trouble strikes you, you lose heart? You are terrified when it touches you? Well, this, this isn't just a little terror. We have serious grief going on here. They probably don't know where their next meal's coming from. And he's got boils. Doesn't your reverence for God give you confidence? Doesn't your life of integrity give you hope? Is that what you want someone to say at the funeral of your child? Stop and think. Do the innocent die? When have the upright been destroyed? My experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. A breath from God destroys them. They vanish in a blast of anger. So, for the next chapter, Job's friends speak. They all take turns. Y'all can pass the stick around, back and forth. They try to convince him that his troubles are a result of unconfessed sin. They expound their knowledge upon the gravitas of Job's situation and the foolishness of his secret sins. Job responds to each friend, defending himself and appealing to God. So Job, grab that stick away from him. You're done. Look, I have seen all this with my own eyes and heard it with my own ears, and now I understand. I know as much as you do. You are no better than I am. As for me, I would speak directly to the Almighty. I want to argue my case with God himself. As for you, you smear me with lies. As physicians, you are worthless quacks. If only you could be silent. That's the wisest thing you could do. The discussion deteriorates from here. Much condemnation, accusation is sent Job's way, yet he refuses to back down. He, he took a stand, he drew a line in the sand, and he will not move. He insists that he is righteous before God. But with this group of three, 
There was a young man. Gotta find a young man. Nope, you're not a young man. <laughs> but it is exciting. You know what, Brother Owen, come over here. <laughs> you don't have to sit on the floor, you sit right here. You're the young man. The young man sitting with the three elder friends, he's listened and he's listened and he's listened and he's pretty sure he's got this figured out. He decides to speak. And he, pro he proclaims that he's heard enough and is losing his temper and he snatches that stick. He begins to berate Job. He begins to tell Job, even I, a young man, know that you don't have these terrible things happen to you without sin. I know better after, after listening to y'all. I am wiser above all of you at this point. So he's, he's letting them have it. And then, and then God speaks. I'm not God, but I'm just going to, I'm going to hold the stick for God. <laughs> then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Then the Lord said to me, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord. I imagine Job fell to the ground when the Lord said those things. I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. And I would imagine Job bows himself to the grounds and holds that stick up to God, offering him all the voice in the situation. God told Job to man up. I have more to say. He continued to speak. And when he was done, he turned and he rebukes Job's friends and the young man. And he says to them, you will be judged unless Job prays for you. And then you will avoid God's judgment. So all of my volunteers can go back to their seats. Thank you so much. Let's give them a hand. We have a great Job here. If you ever need Job, we have a great Job. God gives Job the power and choice, after all he suffered, to have a voice in the lives of his friends. I don't know that I would want to call them my friends, but maybe when you're that desperate, you'll take anybody. <laughs> when life's that bad, you're just hoping somebody shows up with a casserole. But Job had to pray for his friends, or they would be judged, they would be punished by God. Without Job's prayer, they have no hope. But Job didn't have this power on his own. God gave Job a voice. After all of that, after telling Job, man up, I'm about to bring it. I'm about to answer you. And you would think, we would think in our limited understanding that God's really angry at Job. The scripture doesn't say that. He just confronts him. And then he says, and now I'm going to give you the power to decide your friend's fate. You can pray for them or not. He didn't tell Job he had to pray for him. He told the friends, you better ask him to pray for you. And then he left it at that. He gave Job voice after he said, I am God. After he said, I have all these things. 
but I'm going to give you the opportunity to have voice because I still have confidence in you. In the New Testament, we read about how the one and only true God, oh, I can't bend over, and so I'm going to sit this here before I mess up speakers. In the New Testament, we read about how the one and only true God, the same God in the Job narrative, came to earth as a baby. He lived and taught and served, and then in the ultimate sacrifice, he took the sins of the world upon himself and died so every person would have the opportunity to repent and have a relationship with him. There was no longer need for a priest with a stick, we'll say it's a stick, to make prayers and sacrifices for the people. People didn't have to come to the, pr- the priest, and the priest has the ability to talk to God for them. Not anymore. The stick was put aside and taken from the priests. Because Jesus was ultimately the only needed sacrifice. And now, everyone can approach God. Romans 5.11 says, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. And then Romans 5.18-21 says, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Matthew 27:50 says, Then Jesus shouted again, he's on the cross, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart. In God's sacrifice on the cross, he ripped the veil that separated humanity from him. And he once again gave us the opportunity to choose. He took the stick that the priest had and he gave it to each of us. And I have a few people, I'm not sure where they are, that are going to pass out to you a little stick. Please do not put it in your mouth, down your throat, or up your nose. (laughs) Depending on your age, please do not run with it. It is wood. Well, I didn't know those packages were that hard to open. They'll come out there. I'm going to keep talking to you for just a minute while they pass out your stick. Just hold your stick. There's a point to it. Sin had robbed each one of us of our voice. In the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, they could, not lo- they could no longer walk with God in the cool of the evening. I don't know what they talked about with God. But sin didn't just attach itself to their life and make them sinners. It robbed them of their voice. They could make sacrifices. They could petition God. But no longer could they just take a walk with God. They couldn't. I imagine as Adam was, Adam had been given the opportunity to name the animals. They're working in the garden. Adam and Eve had some choices. They had some voice. They could make decisions. 
That's all been taken from them due to sin. So when you and I were born, we were born without a voice. Now, our parents wouldn't agree with that. Some of our children have a lot of voice, more than others. But when it comes to our life and our spiritual life, we had no voice. Sin was speaking for us. Yes, we have choices and decisions to make, whether we live for God or not. But the main voice speaking into our lives that we're responding to was sin. No matter how good we are, no matter how many good decisions we try to make, we still have no voice to approach God. God removed this separation between humanity and him. He essentially took the talking stick from sin that had been controlling our narrative, and he offered it to us. Everybody hold up your stick. If you've got one, does everybody have a stick? Does any, okay, put, now put your hands down. If you don't have a stick, raise your hand. Okay, there's still a few people without a stick. God paid the price for you and I to speak again. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to know him. He's offered that gift to every person. There's no reason you can't have a voice unless you choose not to have one. God offers us the opportunity to speak for ourselves and repent. There's no way to repent without voice. He offers the opportunity through baptism to have our record cleared as our sins are washed away in his name. And his name is spoken over us as we're baptized. There's no washing away of our sins without voice. His name cannot be applied without voice. And he freely gives us the gift of his spirit with a sign of speaking with other tongues, which can't happen without voice. And that voice was given to us when the God of all creation came to earth and lived as a man and died and suffered. He didn't just die. He took our sin. Any guilt you've ever felt, any shame you've ever felt, that for the entire lifetime, lifespan of humanity, he felt. And he took for you and I so that you could have your voice returned to you. And there's not one person here today that doesn't have that voice. We like to be able to talk to God. I mean, I do. I'm a little bit of a complainer. Maybe a little more <laughs> than a complainer sometimes. But I, uh, I like to talk to God. <clears throat> I tend to cry out to him a little more when I need help. Maybe than on a really good day. But I like to talk to God. How many of you take comfort in knowing that God's always listening? He's always listening to us. And he doesn't even mind when we share our frustrations and fears. He doesn't mind when we, um, when we don't. Maybe we complain a little bit. God's answered me when I've complained. Has he ever answered you when you complained? What happens when God wants to speak? Do we listen? Do we rejoice? Hooray! God spoke to me today. Do you tell people at the grocery store, I was praying this morning and God talked back. Bam! 
Look at me. Oh, because the longer we live for God, we expect him to talk back. But there are some times when God says things we don't particularly care for. So he grabs the stick and, um, and he starts talking. Oh, my God. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. What? As if something strange were happening to you. <clears throat> Instead, be very no, glad. No, no, no. For these trials will make you That's partners with words. Christ in his suffering so that you will have no, the wonderful joy so. of seeing his glory when it is, re- when it is, when it is revealed by his word. <laughs> um, I, I don't, don't give that back to me. I don't think so. Let, let's not get carried away. There's a little too much right there. Be glad about suffering? I really don't think this is a healthy conversation. My therapist would not approve. I think we should talk about something that will make my anxiety go down because this is really giving me anxiety. Um, something that works with my future. No suffering. Uh, no pa- you did that already. But I'm good. Um, how about heaven? Or love. Do you think you can talk about love? Love. Talk about love? Okay, good. Okay. Oh, good. All righty. But to you who are willing to listen, yes, yes, yes. I say love your enemies. Oh. Do good oh. to those who hate you. Um. Bless those who curse no. you. Pray for no, those. Pray for those who hurt you. La, 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 la. If someone slaps you um. on the cheek, offer the, the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, um, offer your shirt no, also. not in America. Give to anyone who asks. Um, uh-uh. Give to anyone who asks no, of you. we have services for that. And when things are taken away, um, don't try to get them back. Um, do to others as you would have them do unto you. That's really not where this is supposed to be going, God, when we talked about having a conversation. But, but thank you. You can go on now. I think, I think I'm done talking to you for today. But, but thank you. Um, this relationship is really starting to require too much. I think it might be unhealthy. I've never read a book or a, a novel about a really good relationship that ended with those kinds of words. So... I feel that I was already subject to sin. I've already been controlled. I really don't need God telling me what to do in this relationship. I've been hurt before when I trusted. And I don't need him controlling me. I I really want to trust God. But there are limitations, you know. Uh, maybe, if you, maybe if God would show me the future and, and you would guarantee my happiness, then I'd be willing to talk. I really don't think I like where you're taking things. So, God, until you can do a better job, I mean, I may need to just completely take over this relationship. I'm just going to hold on to this for a time. Um, this new voice I have, I like it. I like my freedom. I like being free from complete control of sin, but, uh, but I mean, all of it's not that bad. <laughs> and uh, I don't think your plans, I don't think God's plans are looking out for my best interest. I have, I have plans. <laughs> I mean, if I'm, I've been, who wants to be controlled? Not me. I'm really not sure God knows what he's talking about here. So I'm going to hold my stick. 
and I'll let him have it, you know, limited. We're going to limit his involvement. But we'll make sure he still gets some because, you know, I want, I want to live for God. That's right. I'm going to live for him in the morning. I'm going to say my little prayer, and I'll make sure I pray for my safety at night. We are good to go. Seems a little silly, doesn't it? Seems a little extreme. But believe it or not, this can happen in our relationship with God. He gave us our voice back. He freed us from the slavery of sin. God offers us an open and honest relationship with him. He is the one and only true God. He's our creator. He offers us everlasting life with him. A future with no pain, no sorrow, no fear, no sin. It's hard for us to grasp God. That's why he came as a human. That's why he died for us. We can't grasp God. Sometimes it's like, it's just... He's so powerful and we feel him, but we can't understand every aspect of God. So we can question his motives. We're suspicious of his love. Because we've loved before and we've been hurt. So what about God? What if he lets us get hurt? And sometimes we just outright reject his plans. It's not really the way I'm going, God. Get on board. I want you to come with me. I want you in my life, God. But you're going the wrong way. That's the bus. I'm taking the train. And we're sincere. God, I want you to live with me in my life. Come on, God. Get it together. That is not the plan. I have it all laid out, and it even is scriptural. I can prove it in the book. You have to come with me, God. And we may not be quite that as obnoxious. But many times we want God to come along. I repented. Maybe I've been baptized in Jesus' name. Maybe I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Hello, I'm obeying. It's your turn. This is a relationship, right? We're both going to give a little. I'm going to obey these scriptures and you come my way. Just want to get you on board with me, God. Because I don't want my life to be without God. I really don't want to live a life bound to sin. But I don't really, really trust you. I want a relationship on my terms, with my rules, deciding for myself what is right or wrong. Maybe I've decided that I'm letting God be a part of my life, not the other way around. And then we find ourselves back to the original sin in the garden. We're only satisfied if we are equal partners with God. We are equal or greater to God, and we want power and control. It's the same sin. Adam and Eve fell prey to, and it's the same sin that we have to fight. So we receive the gifts, the freedom, and the voice God restores to us. Our creator, the I am, Yahweh, 
who clothed himself in humanity, became human like his creation to suffer our pain, our shame, and the abuse of the cross. He paid my debt, and he paid your debt, and he carried our sin so that he could return to us our voice and restore our relationship with him. He stepped into your timeline to stop the devastation and the deterioration of sin. He stepped in and he said, enough. I am here to save you. I am here and I have a plan for you that is good. And when he stepped into your timeline, he stopped sin with his own body. He stood in front of you and he stopped sin with his blood. And he gave his life. And many times we still don't trust him. We take the voice he sacrificed to give us and we steal it. We use our voice, our new voice, to silence his. We take control of the dialogue because we're afraid of what he might say. What if he wants to get too close? What might he ask me to do? I just can't take that risk. Hebrews 12 says, You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. That is not what you and I have come to today. Verse 22 says, no, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven, You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance, like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him 
with holy fear and awe, for God is a devouring fire. We were given voice to join the kingdom that is unshakable. No matter what happens in this earth, no matter what pain you deal with in this, on this earth, no matter what God allows to happen in your life, don't take his voice out of your life. Because you are in a kingdom that is unshakable. You stand on a foundation that will never fade away. And no matter what happens in this life, for eternity, we have a voice in a relationship with the one and only true God. This powerful God that has planned a great future with us, he doesn't make us wait till we get to heaven to know him. He offers you and I direct access to him. He gave us and continues to give us power to live overcoming lives of worth and value. Filled with his joy and peace. And he asks you and I today to release back to him our voice. To let him speak into each of our lives. To allow him to shake away and remove the things that are not helping us get to heaven. And are hindering our relationship with him. He asks us to trust him. To release back to him what he has given us. God gave Job the power of voice. To speak into his friends' lives so they would be saved. But Job was not blessed until after he prayed for his friends. Until he followed the path that God had set before him. We cannot know God and live in relationship with him if we control the dialogue. He gave us and continues to give us the gift of voice that sin took away. But to truly live in right relationship with him, we have to give it back. We have to say to him, God, I give you control of the dialogue. It's enough for me to live in relationship with you. I will take a step of faith and I will choose to trust you even when I don't understand. And that doesn't matter where you are in your walk with God. If you've never heard about him before today, you can make that decision to trust him. And if you've lived for him for 50, 60, 70 years, is there something in your life that you're, it's hard to trust him with? Is there somewhere you really need to control a dialogue? Because you really know what's going on and maybe he doesn't. Is there something we've held in our heart that we can't forgive? And to let go of our voice would mean we, we know he's going to ask us to forgive somebody. We know what he's going to require of us so we cannot let him have a chance to speak. If you would stand together. Every one of you have a small talking stick. It represents your voice. Today I want to give you the opportunity to think about what God has done for you and the voice he's given you. And I would like you, if you can, to take your stick and whenever you feel ready, bring it to the altar. And give God your voice. Commit to him. I will give you my voice and trust your words, whether they're painful or whether they're joyful. Because unless God controls the dialogue, 
You cannot walk in a blessed relationship with him. Your walk and your relationship will be a struggle. You will feel overwhelmed. You will feel burdened and heavy laden. And the God that died on the cross for you is limited in your life. So Sister Regina is going to play and sing. And when you can, when you are ready, bring your voice to the altar and give it back to the Lord. And give him the opportunity to bless you and to heal you and to speak in your life. Lord Jesus, amen.